Can you imagine how much more rewarding your life and your business would be if every decision you made was the best it could be? Hello everyone and welcome back to our SDG Decide Like a True Leader podcast. My name is Florian Medling and I'm glad you've tuned in. For today's topic, I have invited Dr. Jennifer Meyer, a partner of Strategic Decisions Group. She leads the strategy consulting practice of the firm in North America, shares her experience and knowledge in decision-related courses, and is also co-author of the book Decision Quality Value Creation from Better Business Decisions. She will introduce us to the concept of organizational decision quality and how organizations can get started on their journey. Hello, Jennifer. Thank you for taking the time. Hello. Let's start with the term organizational decision quality. What is it and how would you define it? So if you think about the decisions within an organization, there are all kinds of types of decisions. Some are really important, some are less important, some are fairly simple, but some are very complex. Decisions get made every day by individuals on their own or as part of a small team or committees. They also get made by very senior leadership teams. And if an organization really wants to grow, their most powerful lever is to change the way they make decisions. That starts with those decisions made by individuals and extends all the way to big organizational decisions that are made by the leadership team members. And organizational decision quality is an approach to ensure that we have good decisions at all those different levels. There are five different pillars that must be in place for an organization to have good decision quality. First of all, we have to have good decision maker capability. The leaders need to know their decision rights and they need to be able to exercise them without exhibiting bias. We also need decision staff capability and awareness of decision quality concepts for those who support the leaders. So we need facilitative leaders and analysts who have the skills and experience to support quality decision-making. So that's for the people to participate effectively, they need those capabilities and skills. Then in that context, we also need clarity about effective governance. We need to know what decision bodies exist, what their roles are, and what the appropriate decision workflow processes are to help them manage decisions. Then we've got to have successful applications. We need ways to show that we've created value through hands-on experience where we're applying DQ methodology to important decisions. Finally, we need a, a healthy decision culture that represents we have a shared commitment to achieving decision quality and eliminating dysfunctional behaviors and biases. And typically this has to be implemented through a stage transformation that incorporates uh, immediate value application from the beginning, but it also includes continuous learning and uh, natural improvement styles. And what is the biggest challenge for companies to achieve that? When we think about decisions, Decision makers, if you ask them, they will say they make good decisions because, well, how would they have gotten to where they are if they didn't already make good decisions? But the truth of the matter is we can all improve the quality of our decisions. Once we get clarity with the leadership team about the importance of improving decision quality, 
then it's typically a matter of building the support, uh, having the training sessions, building those applications successfully, and defining some of the other elements of culture. But the real trick is getting started. In recent interviews, we have discussed the benefits of uh, implementing decision quality in specific strategy decisions. But what additional benefits do organizations experience once they reach organizational level of decision quality? One thing that happens is if an organization is committed to reaching those higher quality strategic decisions, they actually will get their teams aligned more fully around the directions that they've chosen. And they'll also begin to see a real shift in their decision-making culture. We had a leadership team that we worked with recently that was really struggling with making effective collaborative decisions. There was one leader on the team that essentially had an attitude that said, okay, it's my way or the highway. That individual was so strongly committed to their own perspective that it was very difficult for the group to be collaborative. So the CEO could see that they were really leaving a lot of value on the table. So at her invitation, we helped that organization develop a decision agenda and then tackle one of their toughest problems. And by getting clarity about what decisions are coming, that's what the decision agenda is all about, being clear about which are the most important for them to tackle right away, and then using an approach to do that in an effective manner we were able to get them to a new level of clarity and alignment well beyond what they had known in the past. And it helped create a real culture shift. But how can you achieve that shift? How do you get to organizational decision quality and where would you start? So the first step, if you want to change a decision culture, is to know where you're starting. Where are you today? And when we're working with organizations, we help them understand, first of all, what's working well in their decision-making processes. What challenges and biases are they encountering? And we do that through individual interviews, and we also use online approaches that help reach much more broadly across the organization. And when we do this, we get clarity about where the organization can build on successes and also where the biggest opportunities for improvement are. And finally, what are some of the quick hits that they can implement right away to help ensure that they're making progress in this cultural shift. So that's one big piece, where understanding where you're starting. Another important step is building that decision agenda that helps leaders align on which strategic decisions need to be made in the coming cycle and how should they be tackled, who should be involved, what kind of processes should be applied, all of the dimensions of that governance approach. It's very interesting how many times the big decisions within organizations fall through the cracks because everyone's busy with operational decisions. So it's really important to step back and say, okay, over the course of the next six months, these are the really big decisions we need to make. When are we gonna tackle each one of these? Who's gonna be involved? And what approaches are we gonna use? And when we focus on those big decisions first and we make them with true quality, then the organization will naturally see some positive results coming out of the work and they will build alignment around what to do and also build evidence about how organizational decision quality will benefit the organization. 
And you were speaking about biases. Jennifer, in your experience, what biases do you encounter most frequently in organizations? There are many biases that occur in decision-making. There's a couple that are really significant uh, that have a big impact on the quality of an organization's decisions and ultimately how much value they can create. One of them is the advocacy approval myth. There's this idea that if we give some talented individuals a problem to solve, we tell them to go away, solve this problem, come back and tell the leadership what to do. And then if the leaders take on a role of poking holes in that, there is this illusion that that leads to quality. If you think about it from the perspective of the individual who's been charged with finding a solution, they're going to be motivated to come up with a solution and make a really good case for it. And that means they're going to exhibit things like a confirmation bias. They're going to look for the information they need to prove their point, and they're going to ignore everything else. They're going to use self-serving biases to justify why that particular alternative is best. A whole series of individual biases come out, but then that individual is put in the position of selling something. Selling something is not a way to ensure that we've reached good quality. So when that individual or their team is selling to the senior leaders, they're going to minimize the impact of uncertainty. They're not going to talk about other alternatives that might be compelling for different reasons. They're just going to hone right in on the, on the sale or pitch that they're trying to make. So they're strongly depositioned. At the same time, the leadership is given very little influence on the decision. The only thing they can do is either approve or disapprove. And they can try to poke holes in things before they make that call. But it's still a challenge that whatever is presented to them, they're not going to improve the quality of it by just trying to ask questions and be really tough on the team that's presenting it. All they can do is try to make themselves feel comfortable that this is the right thing to do, but they still haven't addressed the components of decision quality. What's the frame of the problem? What alternatives are we considering? What information is most important? How have we thought about values and trade-offs? Is the reasoning we're using appropriate? And are we ready to commit? That approach of advocacy and approval does not lead to a quality decision. Okay, so these organizations with these governance decision approval processes in place, they would really need to fundamentally change the way they approach decisions. But have you ever encountered an organization that was not ready for a cultural shift or actively working against that? There are times when a leader will say, for example, Uh, this is a fairly common thing. A very senior leader will say, my decisions are fine, but the decisions of all my direct reports need to be improved. That's a sign of a challenge. If we find ourselves in that situation, we could do some work with that set of direct reports that's working with that senior leader to help them improve their decisions. But ultimately, if the senior decision maker is not open to transparency in decision making, and a situation where the alternatives compete instead of individuals, they're not going to be open to the value that they can get from decision quality. So 
overall, it's about openness, transparency, having a healthy decision culture. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you very much for taking the time. It was really nice talking to you and to hear about organizational decision quality. All right. Thank you. Decide like a true leader, the new podcast from SDG for anyone who wants to know what's behind high quality decisions and how best to make them. Feel free to check out our website and LinkedIn channels or send us a message with your thoughts. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye.